This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Hi, I'm Karen Ballou, and I'm founder of Immunicology Skincare, a skin health skincare brand. And I'm also a founding partner at Lucas Brand Equity, and our investments are in the beauty sector. Now, let me also tell you, I love beauty, but what I love most about it is how I can really help people feel the best that they can feel. And I know that sometimes we can say beauty is only skin deep, but it's also about what I call beauty is about wellness and wellness is about beauty. And we want to feel good about ourselves, And so beauty is about how we can feel the best that we can feel. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Hi, this is Abby Wallach for Beauty Is Your Business. I'm here with Karen Moon, my co-host. Hi, everyone. And we're here with our guest today, Karen Ballou, the CEO and founder of Immunicology and founding partner of Lucas Brand Equity. Welcome, welcome, Karen. Well, hello, Abby. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you and your listeners. It's an exciting time to have you on the podcast. There's so much to talk about. So let's just dig right in and tell us a little bit about your journey in the beauty industry, because you've had quite the history and... (laughs) You have a lot to share. So take us back a little bit on the journey and how you got into it and bring us up to date as we're, on where you are today. Oh, thank you. I, I will do that. I, I want to tell you, first of all, I, a lot of times people will talk to me about skin and ask me the first questions like, oh, you know, can you tell me a little bit about skin? And I say, well, I can talk five minutes or I can talk for hours or a lifetime. And so as, as I say, I've been in the skincare industry my whole career. Some people say, well, did you ever leave? Uh, Did you ever stop? And the answer is no, I've been in it since I got out of college. And my uh, degree in marketing turned me into a maven to say, you know, the only industry I wanted to be in was in beauty. And part of that was I saw a need. um, I think I, I will say I saw a need that our beauty industry was really doing a lot of makeup, but not a lot about skincare. So I really felt as though the canvas was um, cleaning that up and then making sure that 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 beautiful skin and whatever makeup we put on it was going to be beautiful. So that was my first thought. And, And the company that actually portrayed that for me at that time, this was many years ago, was Elizabeth Arden. So my actual career started with Elizabeth Arden. And I have to say, I was the youngest girl that they ever hired. And I did work behind the counter. And I did that because I wanted to really know what it was like to work behind the counter. Well, that was a trip. (laughs) And I will tell you, I took the sales and they'll say, you know, you need to come into New York and you need to start doing this and doing that for us. So I started doing Red Door schools for them. And I started to go into New York and work um, um, on uh, different projects for them. And I got wooed away from that position 
by another company. Um, and it was a really hard decision to make, but I ended up going over to Redkin. So I went from being in this retail situation over to the spa industry. And that was amazing because at that time, Redkin actually had a makeup line and a skincare line and a nu nutritional line. And that was so far and way, way before their time because no one would even know today that they even had that because they only have hair care now. So I started working with them and that was fascinating, just working in the hair salon industry, um, getting to know a lot of the different players in the industry and helping them in the marketing side as well as on the road and shows. And it was a really great base to, to learn about the industry between Elizabeth Arden and now with Redken. And, and that's something I always say, you know, you can't take those things away. Once you've worked with one of the big brands, uh, you can never, no one can ever take that away. There's, there's such a learning process from that, right? And uh, I got wooed away from Redken and ended up going entrepreneurial after that. And that's where my, I say my career really started as an entrepreneur is, is getting wood away, going to a very small company and took that company. At that time, I was about 26 years old and brought it from a $300,000 company to a $6 million company in a very short period of time. So it was like, this was amazing to me. And that was more than um, 25 years ago. <laughs> it, was, it was more like 30 years ago. So I just want to say that once I got to that place, I, in being entrepreneurial, ended up having a skincare school and got my aesthetic license and started working with spas. But I also started Aesthetic America for the National Cosmetology Association, which led me to also opening up my own school, writing educational curriculum for schools, which having my own spa, I went and had my own spa in Chicago, out of Chicago. And it was then that I started getting asked if I would start working on some projects that would actually be for development of products for the industry. And that is where I want to say my career started by developing a baby line called Baby Derm um, and, and doing a video teaching parents how to massage their babies. And that took me into what I call um, developing products for seed to molecule, molecule to market. And that was actually taking hundreds of products that I actually have developed within the industry and concepts that I've put into the industry um, that I'm all being behind the scene opposed to being in front of the scene. Um, so not everyone would know. I would travel around teaching about skin uh, based on this educational background that I have, working with doctors, working with um, dermatologists, plastic surgeons, estheticians, and started writing about the esthetician and the cosmetic esthetician versus the basic esthetician uh, being the cosme that cosmetic side and then the medical esthetician. So now really what happened is, is that um, I was diagnosed with cancer 14 years ago. And this is kind of everywhere by the journey sort of did a little twist for me because you know, when you get diagnosed with cancer, you sort of have to really stop and dig really deep into your heart and soul. And um, you think that you might be doing all the right things because I, I did. I thought I was eating healthy and I thought I was doing certain things right. But because I was working with a lot of projects, one in particular I was working on was with French green clay. That was also a clay water. 
And that water was to understand how that water could be a delivery system because it had a, a technology behind it. So what I did is I studied it. I got to know the ingredient and also understand that ingredient really well um, because I've been using that with in the potato farming to see how that would be an organic preservative. So we brought it over to the skin area to find out how it could be absorbed into the skin. So potato skin, is it the same? Well, this the potatoes got richer in in minerals. So we start, started studying it for the skin and we found out that we had some great absorption from that um, in the benefit of those minerals from the clay water. But when I got sick, that's when things sort of stopped for me um, and I had to get well. I have four kids and I thought, you know, the focus for me would be get well and then we'll see what happens. And so I did. And those four, five years, once I I was told I was in remission is when I really came back and said, you know, I have to do something that really makes a difference in our industry. And it was through this immunology that I realized that this is going to make a difference. And the name is not your typical name, right? <laughs> it's, it's just not. It's immunology, which means a study of the skin's immunity and working with the skin's microbiome and focusing on the skin and what happens with the gut, but I was a little bit ahead of my time. And it was hard to sometimes say that or get that out there. So it was taking a risk on a name that was not really, I mean, you know, what is it? What is and what does immunology mean? But I knew that the important thing is it's about our immune system and about our gut and, and about skin health, because we do use anywhere between, I say 50 to 100 different ingredients on our skin that aren't really good for our body. And after having gone through this, I knew there was no reason we needed another skincare brand in our industry. It was almost like another one and another one. And in, in this place, I said, you know, as an industry veteran and one that's been behind the scenes and working with ingredients, this was so very important to me to be able to really have something that would make a difference and also be real, be honest, and let's be truthful. What happens when we put lots of chemicals in our body when we eat them? What happens when we put them on our skin? And so that's really where, for me, where clean beauty might be talked about today. I know we want to have clean ingredients, but I also know that we want to have healthy ingredients. So that was my, that's been my journey. I started that seven years ago, but what was really interesting too, to part of this is that because I've worked with so many different brands in different ways and helping them get to market, one of the things that I decided to do is have an equity fund called Lucas Brand Equity and have a partner who knew how to raise capital. And I knew the other part, which knowing brands. So through this, we were able to come together and put this company together that would be uh, in a place to take these small brands who needed the capital and help them to get over that threshold of being a small brand to a big brand. And I thought, wow, this would be so amazing if I could be part of that as well. So my business plan to do that with my business partner was let's go raise, he does the raising of the capital and he has a team now to do that. And I really, I focus on the, what brands are best for our portfolio. But of course, as CEO and founder of Immunicology, you know, where I spend a lot of my time, um, 
this is my mission. I, I want people to have healthy. And my mission is to, to be there for people, to help them, to, to educate them, teach them more about this healthy and, and the future of health. That's such an interesting journey, Karen, and, and hats off to you for really focusing on an area that can make a difference in people's lives. And when, you know, as the world evolves and more people are looking for clean and healthy ingredients, the more um, interested people will become in these brands. Can you talk to us a little bit about what the fund focuses on in terms of looking at the company? What, what, is your, what are your credentials um, to invest in a brand, in a founder? And how do you how do you solicit and get these companies onboarded with you? I think since we met a few years ago, there are so many more in your in your portfolio, which is so exciting because it proves the model, right? It's proving that there are brands yes. out there. They're small. They need capital. But there are a lot of people trying to make a difference um, at, at, in the world today, which is great. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because the model has been, you know, in the in the past years, let's just say even if we go back as far as 10 years ago, that model of small brands in acquiring brands and um, selling brands is so different than then. And so, you know, you step back 15 years ago, what did that look like, right? So, and if you look at what L'Oreal or what uh, Lauder or P&G and going in and acquiring a brand, they're very big machines and it's very hard for them to take a startup and bring it in. There's just a lot of legwork going on with that. So we found our little niche where if you take someone who has a great idea, which is a you know an entrepreneur who has a vision, and you know we looked at that and saw that there is a vision. Now a lot of times I will have to say, in the beginning we looked at you know the the vision, we looked at um, the entrepreneur, and we saw the product, and we saw you know maybe even some product that was made that that, that they could show us. And we thought the, the idea and the concept was great. Um, and we would and really invest in them. But what we realized that it took so long to get to that place, that it was better for us as an equity fund to wait till they actually have a proof of concept and that they have reached at least about a million to $3 million um, before we actually start to invest in them. Now, there are people out there who do seed money. There are people who will take that, um, that that idea and, and invest and they'll get 10 or 15 different investors to come in and get give them that seed money to get started. And I think that's a great thing to do. For us, we love getting them once they get there and they're doing that million and a half after the seed money. Um, but I do have to say, sometimes you have to be careful of what you offer and what you um, give to people when, when they wanna give you money because there's a lot, a lot of expectations when people give you money even from your friends, even from your family, a lot of expectations. So I always, I try to warn people on that particular area and what kind of deal you put together. Because as an investment firm, the, the thing is that we have to go into, into that, those documents and find out um, what is this company about? And you have to go in and you have to really go into the nuts and bolts and everyone who's involved with the company so as an investor into a brand, you're, you, want to, you want it to be very clean. You want it to be simple because then the deal can be done easy. Um, but when it gets complicated, that's when sometimes investors 
have to walk away because it's too complicated. Too many people are in the pie and it's hard for an investor to come in and put a big chunk of money into it. So that's one of the things that happens along the way with small brands. But what we've, what we've tried to do is encourage those who come to us because we do get a lot of people coming to us and sharing their vision and their ideas. And um, I can't tell you how many, there's just so many, many, many great ideas out there. But again, you, you can only do so many so we had to take a little bit of a position and go a little further down the road. We wanted to be able to be there for the entrepreneur who had the vision and the idea and maybe a product selection. But what we realized that we, we really had to go further. So, so we as a fund, Lucas Brand Equity does as a fund is that we look at these brands that do anywhere between one to $3 million. And it could be on that edge. It could be 750, but we can see that the proof of concept is there and that we, they are going in that direction. And so um, I think also from a standpoint that we've seen that, and we also see brands out there who are now doing $5 million and they can need extra funding because what is it going to take a brand to get to be a 20, 30 or $50 million company so that someone who is what we call the strategic wants to acquire them? And what makes a strategic, a L'Oreal or an Estee Lauder want to, or P&G or Cow want to acquire a brand that has that value? And so that's where the EBITDA comes in and what the company is doing and where the growth opportunity is to buy that brand who has a great marketing, is in the marketplace, but not saturated to want to be acquired and to acquire a brand like that. So we at uh, Lucas Brand Equity, we really sit in that very um, unique position of being able to look at those smaller brands and the brands that most larger equity funds will not look at because they want the $5 million deals. They want to be, be able to put a $50 million check into something and not a $3 million check or, or even as low as writing a check for a million dollars. So we're in that place where we can really uh, I want to say raise capital for our fund to be able to help those brands. And it takes, I will tell you for any small brand, um, you almost have to think about a brand needs $5 million. And that probably is, I, I want to just say, and when you might say, well, not all up front, but eventually you're going to need that. You're even going to need more. I mean, as you grow, you need more money for advertising, for, for your social media, for, you know, your media buys and things like that. So, you know, you, you have to know that you have that resource. We are a really good platform for getting to that next step to help you grow your business um, and for us to be able to fund that. But I was going to also say that some of the brands that we actually um, have in our portfolio, uh, maybe some, some of you know, out there, but um, of course, Immunicology is in the portfolio. We also have a great brand called Marula, and Marula has been out there. We, it was actually in Sephora at one time as a hair care brand. Um, we've actually uh, now come out with, we've had an oil, but we've had uh, the Marula oil, but we have now repackaged it. Um, we are now in on HSN, and many, we're now going into um, distribution with that new packaging. Uh, the hair care, uh, we put a little hold on that right now. And that's what happens sometimes when, when you acquire a brand, you rethink the strategy. And Marula, um, the thought process here was, 
let's focus on what we do well. And what we do well happens to be oil and the oil is phenomenal. So we're really happy to acquire that brand because of the, just how the natural, the clean, uh, effective, uh, the oil is for the skin. So we're really happy about that rebrand. We have another brand that we have in, the, um, in our portfolio. We invested in a store group, um, a store uh, called Standard Dose. And that store sits in uh, New York on Broadway. And it's all about, I want to say, CBD and dosing. And that has been an incredible, incredible investment for us in the sense that it is timely, of course, but they're doing phenomenal. And they're also, they're uh, during the pandemic, you know, they've been there to help and support people who have needed those kinds of services and those kinds of products. Um, and that uh, has also grown to be now over um, the actual store is a store within a store in John Lewis over in the UK, which is amazing. But that's an, an incredible investment for us. Um, uh, and, and it's a beautiful store. If any of you have or haven't seen it, you go online, take a look at it called Standard Dose and um, or go by the store. It's just beautiful. Great. great so how does that work legally? Because we're not really um, is is CBD legal in New York? How is that? How does that work exactly? Well, we're we're not we're not actually selling um, as I would say the smoking stuff. <laughs> you know, we're not selling weed. We're just selling the CBD. So yes, and, and you can have it in products, but we're not we're not a dispensary. Um, like I think it's a, okay as long as there's no THC, right? Right, so, exactly. I yeah. was going to say just, as long as you don't have the THC. So, and and what we have with the uh, standard dose is uh, what we call plant based wellness. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of this is plant-based wellness. And we're also looking at that from a plant-based wellness and, and knowing how um, to use this, not just you know, uh, physical, but also how you would use this for sleep. So a lot of focus on sleep and also anxiety and so forth. So, so that's a, it's a beautiful store, but with beautiful selection. Uh, when we can get back into meditation, there's a meditation room a great selection of teas as well that they have there. Yeah, they used to do a lot of events there. It's kind of cool. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's you've a been. Beautiful space. Mm -hmm. Karen, have you been, you've been there. Yeah, a lot of like founder events and, and things like that. So, yeah, 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 it's fabulous um, and beautiful, right? Yeah, so it's kind of cool because it's interesting. I, I, I definitely agree there's a white space in the one to three range. Um, it sounds like you guys are open to a lot of different types of opportunities where some investors seem to be very narrow-minded, um, especially with the Marula oil one. Like what are, like, are you looking at minority stakes or larger ones? Or are you just kind of open deal by deal or like well, high growth? Well, we are uh, looking at, you know, deal to deal. And mm -hmm. what we always say to people, we, we never really turn down a deal without looking at it. If someone brings something to us, we will look at it, whether we go into the actual, what we call the war room, where we go and see all of the numbers, um, you know, it, it really depends sometimes just to see where the overall, uh, where they sit and, and where they sit in the marketplace. You know, um, sometimes some products and brands are very much very similar to others. So what we don't want are Me Too products. We want to invest in entrepreneurs who are really, you know, thought um, very thoughtful about what they're doing. And we also want brands that really have a difference. So it's not a Me Too brand. So, but we will look even at Me Too brands because sometimes we're just not seeing that piece. And, you know, sometimes 
what I'll say uh, as an example, um, we invested in Soapbox, which is a mass market brand, which is actually a, a give back brand where, you know, like a Tom's. Um, and so there is a code on there and, you know, we are there to support others and give, uh, give back. Um, we also have in that uh, another one that you're going to be really surprised at, but you'll be hearing more about this, um, which is called Defunkify. Defunkify is actually in. I know this one. I've used it. <laughs> it was like <laughs> right? in the founder made thing. Uh, yeah, I, I got so that cool too. That it was nanotech what? Based. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. What is it? And so it's a laundry detergent. You have to try it. It's all based on the science and not having chemicals. Now, I know there's other ones out there, but this technology that they have is so different. And that's why I say, you know, can it, can it out, like outbeat Tide? I think it can because I think a lot of us are so concerned about not just the fragrance, but how clean can our clothes get, right? So they have come up with a technology that actually gets in, cleans the clothes, and cleans the odor. And that's a difference. I mean, there's some differences there. So we really felt, again, we, you know, who wants to really be in the laundry detergent business that is so owned by, you know, the big guys? But this really has a cutting edge technology. And so we're really excited about it. So try it. You will love it. You will love so it. So interesting. Um, and Karen, you should have your own box. Yeah. You should have your own subscription box <laughs> and put all these products. What I are know. you doing? I mean, that's a whole business. Let's go. Come <laughs> on. You have it all. Stick them in a box. Get it going, you know. Well, I, I love your point of view and your point of difference is a fund, right? We talk to funds all the time. Yeah. So we look at portfolios, we see the, you know, most people have their philosophy. I like that you're focused on these very specific areas, but they do all tie together and they do all relate back to your personal background, right? Which is really yes, your, yes. Um, your position in the market, but also as a human and also as an, as an expert in the area that you, you kind of grew up in, in the industry. So I think it's really interesting. And those brands and those companies can get a lot of value from you personally as an investor. And, you know, it's always important for an entrepreneur to have someone to guide them through the process because we know how hard it is. Oh, yes. Well, thank you on that, because I think that's really why this made sense to, you know, almost like a, it, it, the best of both worlds. Right. And I think sometimes I personally feel like sometimes what some of the investment firms out there, they have people that don't know anything. And, and, and this isn't just, you know, it can be women who wear the product, but not know the process of the product. Right. And this is what makes us very, very unique as a fund because we can assess a brand. I mean, I, I always, I always want to help everyone. You know, it can only help so many, but you know, my vision of this one day is to, to have our own, what I call um, his line, right? Here are the brands that jumped over the line, but these are the brands that we're helping to get to that line so that we can fund them. Because I so see so many beautiful entrepreneurs there doing such great things and I want to help them. And that's what I used to do when I was, doing my consulting work, I would go in there and I say seed, you know, seed, uh, seed to molecule, molecule to market, because I would go in, get the technology, and I would put the brand together and get the marketing together and, you know, get all that done and get people to market. And then I would go help them find some money. And here I am now on this side of the fence, 
where I have that person who is raising the capital and we can bring that company into our fund. Um, and so, you know, this, it, it feels great to be able to help the, the entrepreneur, but also I feel bad when I can't help the entrepreneur get to where they need to go. So I always want to be there to be of advice because I can, I can really help from the marketing side, the business side, from a brand. Um, and I think that's a, that's a missing part with most firms. They don't have that. And we have a team of people who actually have that. So when a brand comes to us, it goes, goes through a vetting process. And many times we haven't actually um, invested in it in a brand, but what we have done is been able to help give them advice and recommendations and, and kind of keep track of them and, and try to help them. So, so one day I, that's my dream is to have, you know, a, a group of where we can bring them together and then help them get over the line. And then we invest in them. So I call that our, our junior varsity team. That's very cute. <laughs> that's I great. love that. That's awesome. <laughs> If you run a brick and mortar store, guess what? You have a problem. Retail storefronts can't drive immediate conversion and you can only have so many shoppers inside safely. Any hours you're closed, you can't make sales there. And if you make a product, your product packaging is static by nature. It can't be continuously updated, which limits the consumer experience. The next time your customer might interface with you, is probably when they need to buy something else sometime in the future. Even more importantly, retail storefronts and product packages both lack a human connection. Are you able to tell the same stories in your own voice to your customers like you used to in the past? Social distancing, the move to commerce, or you've just grown beyond that opportunity? You need to take a look at StoryDot. Engaging the customer throughout their journey from store to website to product packaging, StoryDot supports a quick, contact-free, physical-to-digital transition, letting you tell your story to the customer and enable them to take action and motivate them to share that story on social media. No matter where that customer is, they can hear the exact story you need them to hear. And that can convert into sales and elevate their experience and turn them into your marketers when they share on social media. And key user data is generated providing more mapping of the relationship with customers. You need to see StoryDot in action and explore how StoryDot can connect the dots between you and customers. So visit www story.com that's www.storidot.com it's so great that it's easier to start a brand now you know with shopify and just to get started um, and with less capital um, and so many of these brands probably absolutely need to exist. Um, that said, in terms of, you know, probably several brands, you know, and only some of them will meet your criteria, but several brands will get to 5 million, much fewer will get to 20 and very few will get to like a hundred or a billion dollar brands. Right. Like what is the secret sauce in your mind? And like, what are the opportunities for entrepreneurs to get to a certain scale of business? Because 
I don't know that there's enough acquirers for all the brands that should continue <laughs> to exist in the marketplace. Well, curious how you think. About yeah, that. that's a great, great question, Karen. Well, I will tell you right now that there aren't enough um, brands out there. And if you think about it, how many brands can actually um, in the in the end of this, there's only so many, so much capacity, right? But I will tell you this, that brands um, that get and get funneled up, what, what makes these brands get to where they are, right? Like, how did they get bought? How did they get to that place? Well, before I answer that, I wanted to say, do you know, there are so many brands that go away that you know, go, whatever happened to that brand? I really like that brand, but it doesn't exist anymore today because they didn't have the capacity to get to that next level. They didn't have the bandwidth to do that. So one of the things that I will always say to an entrepreneur in building a brand, and, and I will say this both men and women, but women have amazing ideas, right? Not that guys don't, but, but if you look at most brands in skincare, um, or in beauty, a lot of women come up with these ideas and they take those ideas and then they put it into their first little you know, piece and they get to the next piece and then they start bringing people in to help them finance it. And then something happens where the bandwidth, they lose the bandwidth, right? They, they just can't do it anymore. They, they get tired of, of fighting the fight of trying to, you know, the Peter Paul principle, you know, well, if I send, sell 10, I can go pay for that ad or those kinds of things. But what I want to say, most of these deals, you're 100% in if it's your business. You bring investors in, you lose that percentage. And it's the pond, it's the big pond versus the small pond. Would you rather have, you know, 10% of a big pond or 100% of a little pond that gets you nowhere? So sometimes along the way, if you can hold on to that you know, 20% of the business or, or whatever that number is and whatever you deal with and let people who really know how to take a brand to market and get over that finish line to make you a big brand, be willing to give up. Now, what happens is, is that entrepreneurs have a vision and they have an idea and they're so afraid, they hold so tight that idea that they can't let anybody else in and they can't let anyone else have a percentage of that and I'm not saying give give up but or give everything up but I do know that for the most part that's been a lot of deal breakers out there like no I'm not going to I need to have owned this amount of amount of it and in you know some people on the other hand will say take it take it I'll take that 20 percent you take it and I'll just I want you to take it so it depends upon the individual how much that needs to go in there to get them to that big stage, you know, of being um, a big, big time brand. Is there are very few people, though, I will tell you, who are willing to do that because one, it's very hard to give up your baby. And two, when you become the creative director, the marketing director, the, the, the social media director, it's also very hard sometimes to put a team together who you can work with because you're doing everything. And you're not letting them do their job. So that's a part that I always say with my team. I want you to do all that work. I, you know, I want you to work with me, but I want you to do it because I want, I need to do this so you guys can do what you do best. And sometimes that's really hard. It's, it, I mean, I know it's hard, been hard for me, even with immunology, just because I want it to be a certain way. 
what I try to say is, look, it's not just about me. It really, even though it's my vision, I know that I have to trust other people. Um, and in that case, doing that with a brand that you've had, cre you've created as a brand that you had this big idea of what you're going to be in the in the world and the history of beauty. And, and I, I always hate to use a word for an entrepreneur ego, um, but sometimes it gets a little bit in the way because we forget that, you know, we what we really want is the brand to be well known and where we want the brand to be. Because ultimately we're doing it for the purpose of helping other people. We've found a problem, we have a solution. And the idea is to get that solution to people who really can benefit from the solution. And what is the best road to take to get that solution there? And so sometimes giving up something, something um, in the pie or more than you want to is better than not doing it at all. And then it just dies on the vine. And so I've seen many, many really great ideas really go that way. And I feel so bad for them because I sometimes I've even been like, how do I push you just a little, you know, farther? How do I give you advice? And and then, you know, it's kind of like advice on deaf ears. It's like, and I I have to say, I understand um, and, and, and know that they have to go through the journey, their own journey, their own way. Um, you know, I always say you can only give people so much advice, they've got to do it themselves. And they have to feel inside what's good for them to be able to do what they have to do. And independent brands fight this every single day of their vision, their, their, their hopes, their dreams are all their money has been put into it. You know, they, they could have saved up for years to get to this point for this dream to come true. And, you know, I think that's part of this, this, this not giving up, but be willing to share. Be willing to do it in the right way, financially and, and legally, but not to give up, but to, to, to I call it, pave it forward, keep it going forward. And one of my uh, one of my things is always to say, you know, when you quit, it's because you gave up. You keep it going. You've never you don't quit. And I I really believe in people's vision that if you have that vision and you have that deep inside of you of that passion, don't, don't give up. It will happen for you. Now, will you be a, an Estee Lauder one day? No, but you know what? There are many small brands that do become big brands and sit on a shelf in different types of distribution. So you may not be in every, you know, Walmart, or you might not be in every Target, and you may not be in every CVS and all those big people, or you might not be in Bergdorf's and, or Macy's or, or Neiman's. But you might find a channel that your product fits in that makes you very successful. I love I love your choice of words and your passion for the emerging and aspiring entrepreneur, Karen. It's very um, it's very heartfelt. And as a founder like you are, and also now on the other side, you can really empathize and see both sides of of the table. I think things are yeah. changing on so many fronts. You know, the world is we are in a different world today. So it'll be interesting to see over the next five to 10 years, the brands and businesses that succeed. Most, most startups fail, but a lot of things will evolve out of this challenging moment in, in our world. Um, so we're going to hit the pan now. It's a segment that we do on the show where we spin the proverbial salon chair and we get the up close and personal side with Karen Ballou. <laughs> 
culture starts at the top and great customer experience, the only competitive strategy in today's world is fueled by great leadership. We hear and read this every day, but many brands don't drive customer first strategy. For those at the top who want to make that leap but don't know how, we'll learn from leaders who share what you must do to become customer-centric. I am Liliana Petrova, and this is The One Thing. The One Thing Customer Experience from the Top is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever the best podcasts are found. It's hitting the pan. So I'm going to spin the chair and it's going to land on Karen. So Karen Moon, take it away. My question for you is what's your self-care routine? Oh, that's a great one. Well, first of all, you know, I I have a lot of little pieces that I, I call tips and tricks, right? And I find myself in a place all the time having all these little tips and tricks that I do. And I love always sharing them. Um, But for me personally, because I do them all, you're going to get to hear them. But I, I really, first of all, cleansing my skin every single day is really important. Masking uh, two or three times a week, really important. Um, I call it preventive care and corrective care, right? And, and as we get older, we're all going to age. So I think, you know, always important for us to take care of our skin one way or another. So for cleansing, I'm then exfoliating the skin and then also using my serum and then putting my moisturizer on. But I love, love, love to use oil on the skin. Um, I love to then sometimes add a moisturizer over it or at least at that point, uh, you know, use the oil as or mixed in with my moisturizer if I feel I need more hydration and more lubrication. But that's my, my basic, right? But I will tell you, obviously, a great eye cream and making sure that, uh, you know, when we're using the eye cream, my little trick is I take, obviously, the ring finger and I get it around my eyes and I tap, tap, tap. And then I do a little movements around my eye and I do that at at least once a day if I don't do it in the morning I'll do it at night but um, I also I also have with immunology I have a sleeping mask so I love love that because I know that while I'm sleeping (laughs) I'm having a treatment not just a moisturizer but a treatment so I love that part of it so that's my routine Um, uh, of course, my clay mask, I absolutely love. And I, I love being able to get that on. I mean, sometimes when I'm not doing Zooms, I'll have it on and I'll have it on for hours and it has it firms, it tightens, hydrates, all these good things. And I always, uh, you know, always love being able to just have that really fresh feeling for my skin. So <laughs> that's great care. So we're going to spin the, the salon chair again. Okay. It's spinning. And it landed on me. So my question, I know you have so many kids, right? You have like lots of kids. I do. I do. a little older now. Yep. What do you Seven, do as a family for fun? Keep um, it simple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we have seven. So there's, there's uh, five boys and two girls. And <laughs> lucky seven. I say, well, there's a team right there, right? So I would have to say 
one of my favorite things to do, first of all, I love, I mean, there's nothing better than family. And I always call my kids the ducklings, right? And so as a family, probably one of my, and again, because it's when they get older, it's harder to, to rally them in all the same place at the same time. But um, I love our dinners together. I love the conversation. I love being able to just um, just hear them have, have conversation, hear what they're thinking, and you know, sometimes challenge conversation, sometimes debate conversation. But that as a family is probably, and, and my kids would probably say, what is it my favorite thing to do? is probably have a meal together. Um, do we like going on vacation together? Absolutely. And you know, when we do one of those Airbnbs, it's the best thing ever, right? Because you're in a different place. And I was, I grew up surfing and skateboarding, believe it or not. So now my kids are skateboarders, but more than ever, they're surfers. And um, so that's, you know, not to say the beach so much, but just being able to be by the ocean. So we love, love, love the ocean. And it's something that's probably first and foremost, um, when I was living in Chicago, I said, oh my goodness, I need to get by that ocean. So that's something that we have all in common that we all love, love the ocean. And growing up on the East Coast and having a home in uh, Maine, um, that was where we spent our summer. So that's probably our number one thing is being able to, um, besides our dinners together, uh, is to be able to go and be at our seaside and be by the ocean. Fantastic. Karen, can you share with our audience how they can reach out to you? Yeah, I love that. So they can reach out to me via, um, of course, my uh, email, which uh, is kbalu at immunecology.com. I also have that same email, but does kbalu at lbequity.com. And just so they, they know how to spell immunology, it's I-M-M-U-N-O-C-O-L-O-G-I-E. So I, I always say immune oncology. <laughs> so we get the cology in there. Um, and, and then also, um, of course, we have the website um, with immunology and Lucas Brand Equity. Those are both websites. And yes, I can be found on LinkedIn under Karen Ballou. And then also in Instagram, um, Karen Ballou under the Instagram, which is a hyphen be uh, uh, underscore between um, Karen and Ballou. And then also Immunecology, uh, which is our URL uh, name as well. So I would love to hear from people. I'd love to help any way I can and, and just share um, you know, any way that I can, anyone wants to know more about immunocology, would love to talk to them more. I mean, one of one thing that we're doing now are consults on knowing how to best use immunocology for their skin, um, or consult on uh, how to best take their brand to market. Or if someone has a great idea that they need to bring to our equity fund, we would love to hear from them as well. So, um, Either way, I, I would love to be able to be there to be of help to others. Fantastic, Karen. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. You're welcome. And Karen Moon, as always, it's fabulous to have you as my co-host. So nice meeting you, other Karen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. This is Abby Wallach signing off for Beauty Is Your Business. This 
This has been Beauty Is Your Business. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2021. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. And find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.